0: Hey, y'all, how are we doing? Shout out to Bear Nation for tuning in for another episode of the Bear Necessities of Entrepreneurship, a podcast for the entrepreneur minded, created by entrepreneurs discussing the real stories that give you the tools to overcome challenges and stay true to your real self. As always, I want to give a shout out to our partners over at Finn. Finn is a social good platform that creates employee engagement and builds culture. We've teamed up with Finn to give back to the communities that we serve. For every episode, we will be donating $10 to the cause of choosing by our guest in the Finn platform. Enjoy today's episode. All right, Bear Nation, we are back again for another episode of the Bear Necessities of Entrepreneurship podcast. And I'm really excited uh, to talk today with the CEO of a company called Swig, Vincent Loney. And so before I kind of kick in and tell you a little bit about Vincent and Swig, Vincent and I know, and I have known each other for a little while now. Actually, in fact, he went through one of our programs uh, back in the day. And when I met Swig and heard about what they were doing, I was enthralled. Being a former recruiter and having worked almost nine years in recruitment myself, when I met Swig, they're a recruitment tech startup with a mission to make hiring more fair and eliminate bias. I was hooked. I had to. I had to learn more. And super excited about that. And then when I got to know Vincent, Vincent has a tech background, originally was in physics, but then spent most of his professional career working on machine learning and AI. And so his story is so unique and fun and excited to share um, the story of Vincent and Swig. So with that being said, I'd like to say hello to my guest, Vincent. Vincent, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great, and thank you, Rob, for having me on your show. It's an absolute delight to be here. As you mentioned, uh, we've already done some work together in the past as part of the program that you ran, and that was a delight. Uh, so I was thrilled to hear that you were doing a podcast, and I could be a part of it.
0: Absolutely, and, and super excited to mm-hmm. share with the listeners a little bit about your story. And you know, one of the things I find fascinating, and we'll get into this wake here in a minute, uh, but I find your career fascinating. So. How does one start in physics turned tech MI or ML AI entrepreneur building a recruitment startup? So,
1: the thing that all these things have in common is data, but not in the way that you think. So the transition from physics to doing machine learning and AI is actually more common than you think it is because the, the link there really is data, right? In physics, you spend all day working with data, data that you collect, data that you analyze, you try to understand the universe through the eyes of data, mm-hmm. right? Which was super exciting. Uh, so then I went into the more pure data direction, right? Let's just mm-hmm. do it with abstract data and try to learn from the data by itself. But the link to recruitment actually came when um, I was a mentor in a data science boot camp. And uh, my job there was basically to help people make a career transition from whatever they were doing before it could be, like, I worked with people that were in sales before, people that were lawyers before, people that were fresh out of college, and they wanted to do data science instead.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And one of the things I noticed there was that I worked with so many incredibly talented people that still struggled to get a job afterwards Uh because their CV just didn't tick the right boxes. People looked at them and said, you're a salesperson. Why are you applying for a data science job? That (laughs) didn't make any sense to all these hiring companies. And that made me realize that there's something really wrong here. The way that companies traditionally evaluate talent is making them miss out on some of the best people they could bring on board. And if I can solve that problem, it's going to make life easier for both sides, right? Companies are going to have access to hidden talent And candidates will have a better chance finding the job that actually fits for them.
0: (laughs) I love that. And, you know, one of the questions that is age old is how do we evaluate talent? Mm -hmm. Right? How do we truly evaluate talent? Whether you take an applicant tracking system, you take, you know, there's the people approach. There's a lot of different ways to evaluate talent. And, you know, everything is supposed to disrupt the recruitment industry. LinkedIn was supposed to change it. In fact, it helped recruiters, right? And the process has relatively stayed the same, mm-hmm. give or take a few changes here and there. You know, when you set out to overcome this, you know, what What was that burning desire? You saw these folks not getting jobs because their CVs didn't tick a box, but what was the, the underlying just passion that burned inside you to say, you know what, I'm going to just leave what I was doing beforehand and start a business around it. What was that, I mean, was there a moment? Was there a series of moments? Was it a feeling?
1: So I think, Rob, the the story you're telling is sort of the romanticized version that people often think the world is like, right? Oh, someone has this sort of aha moment, this in Mm -hmm. the bathtub, and they jump up and say, ah, I found it, and now I have my calling. But in reality, it often doesn't work that way. It it really Mm -hmm. was a number of different, threads in my life that sort of came together at the same time, which really was more coincidence than anything else. But I took that opportunity to put it all together and build a business out of it. So basically, there were three things going on around that time. One, I had already decided for myself that I wanted to start a business. I just didn't know exactly what kind of a business so basically Mm -hmm. i left my previous full-time job and i said okay i'm starting a business this has been a dream i've wanted to do this all my life i'm gonna go do it i don't know what this business is going to be about but if i'm ever gonna do it now is as good a time as any let's go um then that data science mentor job helped me pay bills for a while right so that was also (laughs) there for a reason Uh, But then the other thing I was really thinking about a lot at the time was how organizations work. So this has always been another interest of mine. Uh, How do people collaborate? And I was sort of interested from an almost academic perspective of, can you build organizations that don't have hierarchical leadership, right? This is a very abstract topic. There's some companies out there in the world that are putting that into practice, Uh, but it was always um, more of an abstract interest of mine. And if you put those three, three things together, it starts to look a lot like swig where it's a business because i was starting a business mm-hmm. it had to do with recruitment because i noticed all these people that were in pain uh, while mm-hmm. i was a mentor uh, in the data science boot camp and then the product we ended up building was really about how can we get candidates to work together to help solve that problem right where there's no not this hierarchical view on the process of the hiring manager just decides and that one person gets to say everything. But how do we turn this into something more collaborative, where everybody that has a stake in that process gets to contribute? And that idea, like after many iterations, turned into what we today call peer-to-peer interviewing.
0: I love that. So I'm going to just put a pause there for a second, because I think it's a great time to really talk about what SWIG is from a business and, mm-hmm. and, and, and where got started. But you made a point that I can't pass out the romanticized version of mm-hmm. the aha moment to a series of decisions that was made. And I'm guessing that wasn't like a week long. That was like a, a series of a couple months to mm-hmm. put all those coincidences in order to make that happen. And that's the heart of entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship isn't just a bing, light bulb went off. Let's start a business. There's a whole process to that, and, and sharing that reality is is something of interest. And so, you know, I want to dig into that a little bit later too. So let's talk about Swig. Swig's a recruitment tech company. What does that mean? Talk to me. Tell me a little bit about the foundation of the company, and you know how you describe it to one if you were say pitching it uh, in a short short kind of event.
1: Um. Yeah, so we uh, we work in the field of hiring, I might call that recruitment or hiring or HR, but it's that that's the area where we are. But if you think about what is Swig, I think the mission of Swig is still very close to what it was on day one, which is mm-hmm. that desire to help candidates. Now, that's actually something that does make life in a sense uh, both interesting and challenging because it's usually the companies that are paying the bills. Right? But you can't solve this problem if you don't keep the focus on the candidates who are the real humans in this process. I mean, at least they're the people that don't have as a professional job to apply for jobs, right? So Mm -hmm. um, they're the people in this process that need the most support. Um, but at the same time, like I said, companies are our customers. And so the challenge that we face every day is how do we make that balance work? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really core to what SWIG really is. It's about helping candidates. Um, so let me talk a little bit then also about the specifics of what do we actually have? like What's our product? What's uh, what's the technology behind it? So I already mentioned a peer-to-peer interview. So the basic mm-hmm. concept is um, we... Have built a system where mm-hmm. candidates interview other candidates through a series of short one-on-one video chats, and we have built a lot of machinery that works in the background to moderate this process, right? Um, um, support the candidates as they go through in terms of um, giving them the questions they're supposed to ask, what to look for in a good answer, uh, how to, uh, what scales to rate on but also things like detecting bias, detecting any kind of anomalies. Also, if someone's trying to mess with our system, like we can detect this, flag anything that needs to be reviewed by humans and build all this machinery to actually make that concept of peer-to-peer interviewing into a reality. So That's where all the hard work goes. Um, And the results have been surprisingly good. That Mm -hmm. is, when I first tried this out, this was a crazy idea, right? It's this yeah. idea. Why would candid- Why would you expect that candidates are any good at interviewing, right? They haven't been trained for this. Like, this sounds strange. Why would this work? Uh, maybe they'll just all be unfair to each other. There's so many reasons why this might fail. Um, but the reality has been very different. So I just said, look, we have all these questions. We don't know if it's going to work. Let's just go and try it. And... Um, even in our very early versions, we were able to create a version of the system that is comparable in accuracy to an expert interviewer. Right? Mm-hmm. And a big part of what the power is, is if you get reviews from multiple independent reviewers, yeah. that's actually better than having one really, really, really good one. Right? So getting yeah. more different opinions about one individual is more powerful than having one really, really good opinion.
0: Yeah. So a little bit of interesting data piece there. And, and you know, the, the thing, oh, how, how do we know candidates can interview each other or even good mm-hmm. at interviewing? Well, I'll tell you a secret. Most hiring managers have never been trained on how to interview in any anybody's. They don't know what to ask. In fact, one of the biggest things that I see that's broken with the recruitment industry is that the recruitment process is that the lack of process. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I talk and we start talking about, I don't know the Yankees and it's like oh yeah I walk out of the interview my boss like Rob what you think of Vincent oh yeah he was great we bonded sharp guy you know I think we could grab a beer together you know we chatted you know got some similar you know similarities and commonalities We both like the Yankees and it's like that's what you're basing that interview off of and we could talk for 30 45 minutes and we never even actually got into what are your skills Mm -hmm. how have you overcome challenges and then you walk out saying green light it and you actually hadn't dug in on anything and right, So having a, that process of checks and balances, which by having the candidates interview each other and having those independent reviews, you kind of go through a series of checks and balances on the way the conversations take place, which I think mm-hmm. is quite unique uh, and interesting. As a, as a former recruiter, I remember I was a bit like, ugh, this is a little bit of skepticism. But you talked about that the data has told you otherwise. So let's talk about that. How have you gone about testing this and, and where... Where has the iteration and growth, because, you know, the mission has been clear. Mm-hmm. Has the product changed? Let's talk about what this peer-to-peer interviewing system, you said, let's take it to market and test it, and the data proved otherwise. So what was those? What were those tests? What did you put to the market, and how did that reaction go? And tell us about that, you know, roller coaster.
1: Yeah, so that has also been a really interesting experience. Um, so... In the early days, so I'll tell you, since we're talking about startups and how you really get started from nothing, and so I'll tell you what the very, very first experiment looked like. So I, so this was at a time when I was still doing all sorts of like work on the side to pay bills and I was trying to pull this product together. And basically over the course of a week, I spent every spare moment I had and then all weekend to pull together like a very rudimentary version of this app that really like it was literally held together by spit and duct tape it was only going to (laughs) work one time ever Um, and then i roped in as many friends as i could find and say you got to come do this thing with me i couldn't quite pull enough of them together on short notice so i went on upwork and i think i paid a few people like i don't know 30 bucks or something to just show up and use the app the one time at the same time just to get that first little bit of data um, and I didn't have engineers, didn't have a budget, I had nothing, uh, it was just me trying to get that first ray of light on, like, does this have any merit at all?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that showed me, actually, this has a lot of potential. Right? The outcomes, if you work on the data a lot, if you do some clever analysis, and uh, sure, lots of technical stuff in the background, but it has potential. Right? So That mm-hmm. was what the first test looked like. The very first test, it was not with customers. It wasn't, uh, you know, after having uh, engaged an engineering team, it was just like whatever the simplest thing is I could pull, pull together in, I think, a week and a half worth of time. Okay, so that looked good. But now the question was, okay, these are people that I asked them, right? These are my friends. These are people that um, are uh, like basically enlisted just to participate. Yeah. So I thought, now, we got to go try this with real candidates that are actually applying for a real job because mm-hmm. the real world will always surprise you, All right? So <laughs> step one was to convince a company to use this system. Um, Rob, sort of your video is cut out there. Are you still there?
0: Yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me OK? okay.
1: So should I just keep going?
0: Yeah, Yeah, because it records separately on each, like, it records each separately, so, uh, it'll be fine. Like, it'll, it'll work out okay. on, uh, the final recording.
1: All right. No worries. Um, yeah. So the next step was to go and test this with a company that was actually hiring.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, yeah, I can go into a lot of detail of that journey, which also had a lot of ups and downs and a bunch of no's and then a bunch of, um, like yeses that turned into no's, until finally we pulled it off. And I'll also tell you there, like our first um, like larger scale test with this mm-hmm. wasn't because I made a really convincing sales pitch to this company. It wasn't me going, ah, oh, here's my deck and here's all the different ways that you're gonna make money. It's just that through networking, I met a guy who worked there, who was also a physicist, by the way, so that's another like <laughs> strange <laughs> coincidental connection. And we got to talking about physics. At some point he asked, so what do you do? And I said, oh, I have this system and I'm looking for people who wanna try it. Would you like to try it? And he said, yeah, sure, why not? And that was it, right? It wasn't about, uh, oh, you know, we're gonna save you so much money as a company. Like that very first time was just somebody who was willing to take a chance on an early stage company. Mm -hmm. And um, so fast forward to the end of that They ended up hiring the person that our system had picked out as the number two out of 100. 100 people went through the system. We Mm -hmm. scored them all. And the company did follow-up interviews afterwards, and they picked the number two out of 100 that we had ranked, essentially. So that was also this moment where I thought, ah, there's, there's really something here now that I've had other people use this and other people mm-hmm. validate the results like we still get something that looks really close to um well it actually was like really really accurate and yeah. that's a story that has sort of repeated multiple times with our customers where initially mm-hmm. they look at this product they say candidates interviewing other candidates that's mad right that's never going to work and then afterwards they say wow i had no idea the results were going to be this good
0: <laughs> yeah that's so that's so unique and interesting and also crazy that you at a networking event and meets another physicist and then said, Hey, I do this thing. Would you like to try it? And took a chance. So, you know, you've, you've had a couple of folks take a chance on you. And if I'm not mistaken, you've raised um, a bit of a pre-seed round, right? A venture back mm-hmm. yeah. pre-seed round. Mm-hmm. Um, was it about a year ago or so?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right.
0: Right. So the fact that you raised kind of a pre-seed venture background tells tells you that there's some scalability and belief in this, which I think mm-hmm. is super cool. And it'd be, I mean, look, two out of hundred—that's amazing. Like the top five are usually pretty good, and it comes down to a little bit of a culture fit of like, who do you think is the best person for the job? It's not always number one; it might be two or three depending on the way the team's built out, right? So like, to hit with that accuracy is freaking amazing. So you have this faith in you, you, you've you been having these stories kind of over time. How has the company progressed in the last year or so? What were some of the things that you've had to tweak? You know, the data is good. You're seeing these things happen. But, you know, where where has the company struggled to gain traction? Or what are some of the things that's done really good that you need to – the market needs to catch up to the process or this idea of peer-to-peer uh, interviewing? Because that is – a it's – it's tough to, to really take in as a viable process.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you phrased it that way, Rob. So you said, oh, you know, where does the market need to catch up? And um, I feel like I spent way too long thinking that way, where I said, oh, you know, I've got this amazing thing. It's amazing. Other people just don't get it. Right? And, mm-hmm. oh, the market just isn't ready. And there's something wrong with the world for not wanting my thing. Right? Whatever barrier we were facing, I always was sort of this like laser-focused person going, no, like this is the way to do it. And they'll see that I'm right. And um, now I look at the world totally differently. right yeah. So and I always feel like this is the big struggle of being a startup you never get off the ground unless you are 100% completely convinced that you're going in the right direction because otherwise you wouldn't take the risk. But you're probably wrong anyway. And so at some point, you have to become completely 100% convinced of something else. Yeah. <laughs> and making that transition is very hard, and knowing when to do it is really hard.
0: Absolutely. I
1: don't know any great examples of people doing it just right at the right time i feel like this is something that everybody uh, when they end up in a situation like that they struggle with and so we went through a few iterations like that Mm -hmm. of thinking that we should go in a particular direction like trying really hard finding out that it's not the right direction trying something different um, and uh, being wrong a bunch of times along the way and hopefully now being closer to the right answer, right, I, I can't tell the future, that's always hard. But I always feel like every time we iterate, we get a little closer to um, you know, that mythical product market fit where everything just takes off and suddenly life is easy. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's this notion of oh, the market just isn't ready, I think is a really common Thing that people talk it, it, about. It, it is. But it, like once you start thinking like that, I feel like there's probably changes you can make about your strategy or your product that fits better with the market that actually exists rather than to wait for the market to change, which might take a really long time.
0: Yeah. You know, I think you put out this, this piece of, and, and what I've loved is like from this whole start of this thing, right? You put out an app that was held together with spit and duct tape, right? And a lot of times, just getting an MVP, getting good out there, sometimes not even good, just doable, usable out there to test and iterate, it's better than waiting till perfect. Mm-hmm. I think so many of us think or talk about entrepreneurship, of product market fit, and we need to be perfect, and we need to have this figured out, and this figured out, and this figured out. And we want to say that the market isn't ready yet As an ex- is a crutch. Mm-hmm. And I think that the market may not be ready because you're not telling the market why it's ready. And there's an education piece that goes along with how you present the business, how you present the data, how you present the opportunity. And that it's not waiting for the market to catch up. It's, as you said, kind of repositioning it so the market understands. And then iterate, iterate, listen, iterate some more, Mm -hmm. listen, iterate some more, test, fix, test, fix. Sounds sounds like something you know very well in terms of when you go through any sort of hypothesis of figuring out any type of scientific background, right? That's all building a business is. It's putting something out and testing and building. So as you've kind of gone through these kind of, you know, iterate iterations and testing, what are some of the big takeaways? What are some of the things that you've been like that you've learned about the business and about this peer to peer space that have just, you know, wowed you?
1: Um, good question. So there's a couple of things that I can share there. So one thing is um, something that I mention a lot when people ask about uh, candidates competing, right? So sometimes people ask this question, Well, candidates are interviewing other candidates? Won't they have an incentive to rate the other person lower than they think they should be, right? And uh, one of the things that we've learned, which warms my heart and has given me renewed renewed faith in humanity, Is um, I'll tell you we we thought about this right. Maybe candidates Mm -hmm. are going to rate other candidates too low, so we built like system after system after system to detect all different kinds of cheating and different ways of people being unfair. People just putting random numbers like we Mm -hmm. made endless ideas of okay like if anything ever goes wrong, we want to catch this. Now that system actually gets triggered on a fairly regular basis, Mm -hmm. but. The vast majority of cases is candidates that rate other candidates too high. And so essentially, it's candidates being really supportive of each other. They start to look at this as a collaborative experience because if you're a candidate, if you're looking for a job, you know how much of a pain it is. Mm
0: -hmm. And you
1: know what other people are going through. And if you're in that mindset, you're actually not in the mindset of I'm going to undermine someone else. You're in the Mm -hmm. mindset of we're in this together and we should support each other. And that has honestly been a surprise. Right? I thought it was going to be kind of even, right? Ah, people just make some mistakes on the left and some mistakes on the right and it'll just sort of even out. But the fact that it's really been very lopsided when we see sort of quote unquote unfair ratings, they tend to Mm -hmm. be candidates giving scores that are too high and just being too nice to each other, I think is really an indication that they perceive this process as a collaborative process. Yeah. So that's been like a really cool thing we learned along the way, which I think is also yeah. unique to our product.
0: So I really think that's, I mean, amazing and also awesome, right? And so tell me, I guess, as I think about this, right? And, you know, I know candidates are entering each other, right? This peer-to-peer, but, and I know they're in essence competing at the same time, but, you know, there is this kind of approach of building a community around your candidates and having you know if if they interview multiple times and they do this thing and they get involved in the community and are getting this practice they're one getting better at their own interviewing skills two you know getting better at being an interviewer uh which could if they're going for like a more of like a a growth goal growth role where they could be a manager and and a year or two like that experience but also multiple opportunities, right? The more that they do and the more they talk, the more opportunities I'm guessing they have to be noticed for different roles, mm-hmm. right? So there's that community yeah, exactly. to it, which I think is really cool. So tell me, I think that's a great great question is, so tell me how it works from the candidate side and tell me how it works from the client side because there's two sides of this business, the candidates and then the client trying to fill a role. So tell me how it works mm-hmm. or how it looks from, from both sides.
1: Yeah uh i'd love to so before i do that though i want to react to one thing that you said there which was um about uh, candidates having the opportunity to qualify for multiple roles so this is something that's part of a transition we've gone through uh, recently and how we sort of changed the way our product works in the Mm -hmm. early days we were working with one company at the same time and one role at the same time so we had no choice but to put candidates in a session together that were actually applying for the same role Mm-hmm. Um, and there was always this sort of degree of awkwardness there of, well, these are people that are applying for the same role, and you know we try to position this as much as we can as a collaborative process with the community, and you can learn from it. Uh, but there was always sort of in the corner sits this sort of question of, yeah, but they're going for the same job. So we changed that and just said, okay, look, we need to have multiple similar positions that are open at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that from a candidate's perspective, this really isn't about competition anymore. There's many roles available now. Uh, We work with multiple companies at the same time so that when uh, a candidate interviews through SWIG, they interview once, but they can qualify for jobs at a range of different companies. Mm -hmm. And that actually has made it a lot easier for us to just talk about how this should be a community and it should be a collaborative process because this isn't a zero-sum game. This is not a question of if you get the job, then I don't. It really yeah. has become a question of, if we work together, then we both have a better chance of both getting a job, possibly yeah. at the same company or at multiple different companies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but it, like the reality has become closer to the ideal because we changed our product to be that way.
0: I love that. And it also creates you, by like going through this process and interviewing as peer-to-peer, you build your network mm-hmm. and there's absolutely huge potential and value and building a network of like-minded and and strong and growth individuals that Mm -hmm. are looking to better themselves. Right. So I think that's, I mean, it's amazing, you know, kind of just like, as we think of peer to peer, that's kind of what stuck in my mind with, you know, recruit, obviously the recruitment process, right? Like you interview one, and then you figure out 50 different places Mm -hmm. to, to slam their CV to and, and, and put out. And so I love that. But if a candidate interviews and goes through this process, is there value to them doing you know multiple peer-to-peer interviews so interviewing multiple people is there does that help them get ranked higher is it just one minimum or is there a scoring system you talk about a lot of back-end stuff and i don't want to go too technical but is there value to multiple interviews
1: um so generally yes right so the way so the way we have it set up now so the, so I, I feel like I'm lagged by one question right because you had this question before about how does the process work and I feel yeah. like I should answer that and then the next one will become more I know, clear. you
0: brought up a great point. <laughs> I just stack a question on top of you. So if we want, let's go back. We can go back and answer the first yeah, question. So, then well, then we can well, come let me and just
1: very briefly explain how the process actually works because that will just yeah. also help everything else fall into place. Uh, so. And this is the way that works today, right? So we're still, we iterate on our product every day, and it's a little bit different every day because we keep improving it. But so the general process, what it looks like is, as a candidate, let's start with what this looks like from the perspective of a candidate. Mm -hmm. Um, You find Swig, right, there's many ways to find Swig. You can just go to our website, you can sign up there. Um, But typically it's because candidates apply for a job. Mm -hmm. Um, Then, we invite them through a peer-to-peer interview, and we also explain how the process works, and we explain what the value is, and that this isn't just about uh, qualifying for one job, but it's about multiple jobs, and mm-hmm. um, how um, like being judged solely on a CV is actually something that's very detrimental to candidates, which is actually value in participating in this process. You get to learn yeah. something along the way, see how other people behave in an interview, which most people have never seen before. So we go through this whole yeah. sort of uh, process of explaining to them how it works then from a very mechanical perspective they pick a time then at that time they log into our app and they're coupled with a partner so that's a mm-hmm. short one-on-one video chat where we provide the instructions in terms of what people are supposed to do so one of the people is assigned the role of interviewer the other is assigned the role of interviewee and we give them a question right so the interviewer is supposed to ask a specific question and we tell the interviewer what to look for in a good answer. So that chat takes about five minutes. Then both participants fill out a short form about each other. Uh, and mm-hmm. then they're coupled with a new partner now in a different role. So if you're the interviewer before, you're the interviewee now and vice versa. So mm-hmm. that process repeats about eight times over the course of an hour. And so the whole thing is over in less than an hour. And um, after that, we provide feedback to the candidates. So Mm -hmm. we get some scores out of this process, which we share with candidates. Um, And um, this is something that then also becomes available to employers. So what we do at the moment, so looking at the employer side, what does this look like if you're a hiring company? So this is one of the changes that we made recently, um, where now what we do as a company, you can just come to us and say, we're looking for a person that looks like this. And at this mm-hmm. stage, we have a fairly extensive network of candidates that have gone through Swig. And I call it a network because it's candidates that have rated other candidates, right? So it is, in a sense, a referral network. These are yeah. this is a group of experts, and they've all interviewed each other in different permutations. And so some people come out of that being consistently rated very highly by their peers. Yeah, Um, And we can actually break this down by different questions, right? So we now know of everybody that participated, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses. So you come to us as a company, we can say, ah, well, we already know a lot about a lot of candidates. And so now you can know what you're looking for. We can actually give you a list of five people right away. Um, So that's what this now looks like, to companies. Where
0: and, and those you take five this whole up.
1: sourcing element off their plate, right? Where people have to post jobs or go cold yeah. call people on LinkedIn or whatever it is people do to find candidates. They just come that's to that's us it. and say, this is what we're looking for. And we say, well, here's five people that have been highly rated by their peers. Just go mm-hmm. and talk to them.
0: That are active and then yeah they're, they're because active of, they're and,
1: engaged we know they're yeah. looking for work because they recently applied for a job we know that they're engaged because they've gone through interviews right you don't do that yeah. unless you're seriously looking for a job so yeah. they're highly motivated they're engaged we know that they're good just go and talk to them just go yeah
0: well I think it's cool because you know recruiting companies are like oh yeah we have you know we have candidates we can send you within 24 to 48 hours and what they mm-hmm. do is they go and reactivate their whole network. And some mm-hmm. of them are like, oh, yeah, we have a bench. No one has a bench, right? They have to they have to go reactivate. It. And it mm-hmm. takes 24 to 48 hours to figure out who's still available, who's not, create a shortlist in this whole process. And with the Swig platform and the way that you have this kind of rolling basis of being built, you know who's active because there's consistency within that by being a part in the community approach that's saying, hey, we're still here. And then I'm guessing there's a feature where they could say, hey, I've gotten a job. I'm no longer on the market and kind of tells you that hey they're 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 on hold until they're ready to come back and then you mm-hmm. save all that data and then reactivate them which seems like a much more efficient process because you have a lot more high activity of people who are ready to go at a much quicker pace which is I think amazing cuz then mm-hmm. there's like tools that put that in practice versus like what we used to say and again as a recruiter you know so people had the really good active networks that they can do that but i mean not the same scale that you're doing for your clients now and the way that the data mm-hmm. that you can provide of everything that you have yeah, so
1: uh, I'll tell you, so I usually phrase the value like a little bit differently. So there, there's that, right? So one of the big challenges of uh, like anybody who's trying to hire is to find candidates that are engaged, right? So basically mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a nice way of saying candidates that are actually looking for a job that are open to even talking to you. Um, but part of the reason that that problem is hard to solve is because when if you're a hiring company and you think about what does your ideal candidate look like the picture you come up with is probably not that different from the picture that your competitors have come up with right Mm -hmm. so if you go look for that on linkedin sure you can find people but your competitors have found those people too and so now you're one of 50 people that reached out to somebody on linkedin because they have a great linkedin profile and now you're surprised they don't respond well it's because they got 49 other messages
0: Mm -hmm.
1: in addition to yours. So the key to solving this problem is to look beyond the static profile, right? It's not that people who have an amazing LinkedIn profile are bad, it's just that you're missing out on a whole bunch of hidden talent. And -hmm. people that are actually very good, um, but maybe they're just not very good at writing a LinkedIn profile, or maybe... What you thought a good candidate looked like isn't actually what a good candidate looks like, right? Maybe yeah. uh, you are looking for people that used to work at brands that you know. But there are lots of other good brands that you've never heard of, right? Just because yeah. you don't know a brand doesn't mean that brand is bad. So um, there's all these problems associated with um, judging somebody on based on the static profile that makes yeah. you miss really good people. And we can make that hidden talent visible. And so if a company goes to our network, essentially they're tapping into a hidden talent pool that all their competitors don't know about. That's, that's what the real that's power also,
0: is. Yeah, that's also unbiased. And the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, you're only finding what you're looking for on LinkedIn in the static mm-hmm. profile. We're unbiased, we're showing you the full picture because we have actively engaged yeah. candidates that are getting reviewed, mm-hmm. that are getting scored, that are, you know, we have video, we have all these things to show you and it's like, you're, you're, you're creating a, a very diverse and amazing network of strong fits based on the full picture mm-hmm. and not the one that is static or shown.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, you're right, that one person that's a great profile on LinkedIn that's got 50 offers, you know, they could be awesome. They could be, like, really good. Or no they could be
1: They could also be a that. good
0: bullshitter. They could also be a good bullshitter that knows how to position themselves. And so... You know, there's all kinds of things that you have to dig into. And so when you have more data and more mm-hmm. ability to take that data and make educated decisions, mm-hmm. you tend to create a more diverse, engaged employee base, right? Mm-hmm. Have the right yeah. candidates come into your... Come into, I love it. I mean, it, it's now I start to see like where the mission ties in to the actual mm-hmm. process that ties into the service offering, right? It's like a product, service, and mission all, all, all tied together, truly tied together into the way the platform and the technology Mm -hmm. works.
1: Yeah, so we always say we want to make hiring more fair for everyone. That does not mean we're gonna make companies hire people that are less good, right? That's not fair. Like what would be Mm -hmm. fair is the company hiring the best person. The problem is they don't, right? Mm -hmm. That's why the system is unfair. So this isn't just about, okay, we want to create like equality or diversity or anything like that. That's sort of like looking only at half of the problem. The observation is that because of well, we as sort of a, a catch-all term called bias, companies yeah. are making bad hiring decisions. Yeah, like they're not actually hiring the best people. Um, and so by creating a more fair system, like people that deserve a chance get a chance, and companies mm-hmm. end up with like a better team. So everybody wins.
0: I, I mean, I love that. And I just I know we're getting close to time, but I had this this thought. If I was a company and I came to you and said, hey, hey, Vincent, right? We have, you know, in the last few years, or say last year, we mm-hmm. posted six jobs. And with those six jobs, we've gotten 6,000 to 7,000 applications. We've filled four of them. Could you help in that regard too? It would, with the technology, be able to say, well, we can take that and create like a candidate pool for you. Is that possible? Uh, Just like thinking is, on this yeah. peer to network? like thinking about hidden talent in places where, you know, I I think about my days of recruiting and you could post, I could post a job posting on LinkedIn and all the major tools and have 500 resumes in 72 hours. They're not always great, right? Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that I miss great ones because I'm exhausted looking at 500 resumes. So could you take, could we, could we applicably take this and say, Hey, you can do this for a company internally and create process and systems around that too?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I'll tell you what I would love to do. So thinking about that situation, what I think is, again, like thinking about fairness, right? Mm -hmm. What I would want to do is I want to go to that company and say, okay, you've got, and you said, 5,000 applications. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we'll get those 5,000 people, uh, at least the ones that want to, right? It'd be optional for them and say, hey, why don't you do a SWIG interview? And then that hiring company, uh, we'll give them first dibs, but after that, I want those people to go into our network so we can give them more opportunities, right? Because then it becomes fair, then candidates get something out of this process. Okay, Obviously, mm-hmm. they get learning and experience from just seeing other people interview, but they also get um, like genuinely better chances of finding a job yeah. if they don't get hired by that original company.
0: I love that. I mean, it's a win-win, right, for the mm-hmm. company to also take this, like, because Some of the things that companies lose out on is that, you know, they get tons of applications and they can't respond to everybody and they don't say like, hey, thanks for applying. You're not moving forward. And so you lose it. So having Swig come in, it helps them activate that Mm -hmm. and provide some context and also training. If nothing else, they're getting a great experience. And two, that opens up other doors. Mm -hmm. Right. So the the fairness aspect of of opening doors. So it's actually a win win for the candidate, the clients and Swig creating a, a truly active community of amazing people that leverage way beyond anything that anyone else is doing mm-hmm. because of the technology behind it that allows you to scale.
1: Yeah, so the technology is a key enabler, and, uh, and that's what enables us to do this, right? But one thing just about breaking barriers, right? So if I think about what's the barrier that we need to all altogether break through, like you're talking about this company that got 5,000 applications. If I go to them and say, okay, I'll help you, but then I want to be able to help those other candidates also get jobs, I think the first reaction would be, mm, am I allowed to do that? Is that okay? Like, does that, is that something that I have to ask my legal team about? And in a sense, it's asking companies to like step a little bit out of their com- comfort zone to think about what candidates really need. Yeah. Because yes, you can totally do this, right? Um, of course, you have to ask candidates permission. Yeah. You have to do a thing, but then you help somebody. Right? And yeah. I think that one of the key things that we need to just make the whole hiring process work better for everyone is for everyone to be a little bit more open, to step out of their comfort zone, to do the right thing for everybody, like all the stakeholders in this process,
0: mm-hmm. and not
1: just look at their own immediate self-interest. And by extension, that will come back to you, right? So employer brand is something companies always talk about. And I just want to share one more anecdote of my personal experience. Um, When we were hiring, um, we, uh, I interviewed so many people. Oh my goodness, it was before our product was fully ready and I was interviewing Mm -hmm. manually everybody. And I still felt very strongly about, okay, you got to do the right thing for candidates. So I said, okay, I'm going to offer everybody a feedback call. And so Mm -hmm. even the, like, especially the people who rejected, I said, look, you want more feedback, we'll get on the phone together. And, So I did this with um, several candidates and what some of them told me was basically, Vincent, nobody's ever done this for me before. Like No one's ever gotten taken the opportunity, um, especially the CEO of a company, to sit down with me after the interview process to really tell me about, okay, so here are your strengths, here are your weaknesses, here's how Mm -hmm. you can improve. That candidate, I can think of a specific person at the moment that told me that, That candidate isn't just a rejected candidate that sits in in our talent pool. That's a candidate that's an advocate that's somebody that i know i can go to that person at any point and say hey do you still want to work for us and they're going to be interested if i say hey would you be willing to uh, endorse us on whatever platform they'd be willing to do it like that sort of goodwill you actually get by stepping out of your comfort zone and doing something that's good for somebody else even though you might not see any immediate self-interest i mean and i think if every company did that it'd be a different world
0: it would it'd be you know and and you know, let's take take a step back and, you know, not shoot so pie in the sky. But even if, like, mm-hmm. everyone out there listening, mm-hmm. everyone takes that approach every day, we make a, a better world incrementally by one each one person that does <laughs> that, each founder, each entrepreneurial minded person that's listening mm-hmm. that may start a business someday. And I think that's really cool because when you talk about that, not only is, are they a brand ambassador, you know, endorse and everything, they might be in a place where they're hiring at some point and, and want to use SWIG and bring them in mm-hmm. and say, hey, what yeah. we're doing is not working. What do we try bringing SWIG in? In fact, I have a company that I work with um, that have an episode coming out here in a little bit. Every candidate that interviews with them, they'll send a feedback email mm-hmm. and offer a phone call to provide good feedback. And yeah. the, just That's by doing awesome. that, the, the amount of st- the, the feedback they've gotten, people are like, why are you doing this? Because we, we care. And in fact, every person that ever replies to the company will get, it, even if it's automated, get an email that just says, "Hey." Thank you for applying. We did have a large number of applications. We wanted to let you know that we're not moving forward and we would love to give you specific feedback if we could. We just don't have the ability or technology process to do that yet, mm-hmm. but we appreciate you so much for wanting to apply for this role. And if there's anything we can ever do, let, you, you know, let us know. And it's like, those just little touches about the employee experience, mm-hmm. right? Because when you think about the employee experience of a company, it doesn't start when they walk in the first day. It starts from the first touch point they have with your brand, whether it's applying on LinkedIn or career Builder or Monster, to when they hear back, to when they have an interview, to, hey, we'll get back to you in three days, and they don't hear anything for two weeks. All those little things matter, especially mm-hmm. with millennials and Gen Z who are digitally connected, hyper-connected, that know how easy it is. This is always in our hands. We can shoot a text. Hey, sorry, no update as of right now. Mm-hmm. But instead, we're so afraid to just pick up the phone and call them and give them any feedback, and if there's no feedback, because we told them we'd call them by a certain day. If we do those little things more, it makes a big difference. So I mm-hmm. love that you share that anecdote, and I love the idea of what Swig is building. And when you think about the values and the mission and what the product can do, there's so many cool things. And so I've been I've been loving getting to hear this from the founder and, and really understand kind of what you're trying to build. And it's not easy. You've already mentioned multiple times the product market fit is still. there, You're iterating, but you have great clients that have tested this, that have been happy. You've seen this work over and over again from the candidate side. So if anybody out there is listening in A Bear Nation that has hiring for a role and that would love to try SWIG, please reach out to Vincent. Give him, if nothing else, test it out. Give him some good feedback, right? We want to create a community here about providing feedback. What do you have to lose? Nothing right now. And so I'm just gonna like if I was in a hiring position I would I would try Swig. And so, you know, this isn't like hey Rob's gonna endorsing all these companies. It's just hey this is what entrepreneurship's about. And Vincent talked about the value of networking and asking for help and just being intentional, and seeing what happens. So if anyone in this in Bear Nation is looking to hire and wants to try out a new technology, a really cool technology doing great things for their for candidates and communities, you should check out Swag.
1: So I'll add one more thing to that, Rob. So your audience is entrepreneurs and startups. And just because we're a startup ourselves, I love working with other startups. We've seen mm-hmm. so many companies hire. We've so- seen companies do it really well. We've also seen companies make mistakes. Even if you feel like, oh, the technology isn't right for me, get in touch anyway. I'd be happy to just share my experiences, uh, do another startup a favor. We mm-hmm. really, as entrepreneurs and startups, founders and everybody working at startups, we got to stick together and support each other. So even if you're not sure and you just need some advice, uh, I'm always there for that too. Uh, I talk with founders every day, I talk with recruiters every day. Uh, I've seen how other people go through this process. Hiring is really hard. Don't try to do this alone. Uh, There's people like me who can support you either with technology or just with a phone call. Um, So I'm all in when it comes to supporting the community.
0: I love that. And, and, you know, as a recruiter, I spent nine years in recruitment. I've recruited for technology, Mm -hmm. sales, marketing. I've worked with enterprise, Fortune 500, Forbes 100 companies all the way through early stage. And I still, I I, I coach on this recruitment process and building a process. And so whatever you decide to do, whether you have an internal talent team or you use an outside recruitment firm or you bring in Swig or you do a combination of all three, learn from each other, right? The whole point of recruitment. Recruitment is hard. So find a way to to tie the loops together and make life easier and understand everyone goes to this challenge. In fact, as we know today, right, in the current climate, we have one of the biggest hiring booms ever. And the way that COVID has changed the future of work to hybrid and remote working roles, people leaving and changing, because during the pandemic, we saw the best of bosses rise to the top. And we also saw bad bosses who didn't know how to lead. And so they lost faith from their team. And so things are going to shift and change and people who want to be in larger corporates with stability and work in an office or have a hybrid role versus those who want more of a flux option everything's going to change and hiring is going to be at the forefront over the next probably six months as we as, as the future of work truly changes coming out of the pandemic so you know the fact that vincent's even just saying hey i'll take a call with you is pretty awesome because i think we're all going to be going through a lot of major changes uh in our process so Vincent, I know we're, we're getting close to time, but I, I'd like to finish every episode with a f- couple of key questions, right? Mm-hmm. Is this okay. is an entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneurial minded podcast for entrepreneurs. What advice would you give Gen Z or millennial entrepreneurs right now?
1: Um, yeah, good question. So the thing I would say is probably aimed at like early stage entrepreneurs. Even though it, I think it's still valid for like at, at any stage, but it would be yeah. um, build an audience before you know what your product is. Um, your product is going to change anyway, right? Don't mm-hmm. wait for your product to be ready. It's never going to be ready. Just go and you can go start a podcast, right? Or you can start a Twitter account or be on LinkedIn or mm-hmm. write a great newsletter, be informative or be. Uh, opinionated or whatever it is that your style is, there's so many options out there to Mm -hmm. start building um, an audience or a community or a group of like-minded people around your vision and your mission, even if Mm -hmm. you don't have a product. That's perfectly fine, and it's gonna pay off a lot in the end. Once you wanna launch your product, having a whole bunch of people that are already interested in what you're doing makes everything a lot easier. So whatever it is that you're doing, Make sure that you move the like community building and audience building yeah. earlier in your pipeline.
0: And and what I love about that is that you do that with intentionality and authenticity, and you're sharing, hey, these are the ideas I have. You also get amazing feedback from mm-hmm. audience about yeah, where totally. your product should go. So it's almost like doing product discovery before the product's out, and you can leverage ideas and hypotheses, mm-hmm. hypotheses, right? Like. It's amazing that we think we know better until we put it out and then we decide to get feedback. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's because we're scared or or what, but I love this because intentionality and being authentic in building your audience around what you want to do and what you're Mm -hmm. looking to do is invaluable. And and, and I think that's also a
1: power that a lot of entrepreneurs underestimate about themselves. So what you talk about is authenticity. And like, there's nobody like someone who's trying to start their own business um, in terms of being passionate about what they do, because otherwise you're not gonna start your own business unless you're passionate about what you do, right? So just talk about what you're passionate about, be authentic, and people will talk to you.
0: I love it. Um, what do you think, you know, as, a, as an entrepreneur, what do you think your superpower is?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that one. So actually, I was thinking about this and um, do you know this, um, uh, the Fantastic Four? It's yes. A, it's kind of old school comic book. And uh, <laughs> the, the leader of their group is Mr. Fantastic. And his superpower is basically that he's very elastic. He can stretch a lot, which mm-hmm. really seems like a silly superpower in a comic book. But it's actually very useful if you're the CEO of a company because you always have to fit into the shapes of that are the gaps between everybody else Mm -hmm. so being able to fit into those gaps noticing what the gaps are on your team and being versatile enough to actually like change the shape of your body to fit into the gaps is really really useful to just be able to move things forward so i'll pick that one mr fantastic's elastic power
0: i love that and (laughs) i love the fantastic four As, as you know as a kid growing up it was definitely one of my favorites and um I think that's such a cool take on using a superpower, a superhero, and a superpower that you grew up with, and what it means as an entrepreneur and a CEO. Because you do—you early, early on—you fill in every gap. Sometimes it's a power of one. Sometimes a team of twenty, and you're filling in gaps between twenty people.
1: Yeah, I hadn't uh, even thought about it that way. If you're once you're if if you're solo founder, you got to stretch, right? You got to exactly. like, fill up all the space. <laughs> but once you have a team around you, now you're filling in the gaps. So you have to be really elastic to be able to like make it through all those different stages of your company.
0: Uh, I love it. And there are tons of stages from. When you start and launch to iteration to everything, I mean, what people don't understand is from where you start to where you go Series A, it usually doesn't happen in the first six months. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I hear people, oh, our goal is to be a $5 million company um, in the next year. And I'm just like, how How with no audience, no brand equity, no brand awareness and no real product on the market, how again, right? Be realistic and, and know that this is a journey that you'll you will fit in over time. So, what is one book, resource, or piece of content that you should be reading, consuming, that you would recommend right now?
1: Um, Yeah, so the book that came to mind is um, Eating the Big Fish uh, by Mm -hmm. Adam Morgan. And it's basically a book about branding, but it's about startup branding in particular. About how, if you're a startup, and like you already mentioned, like you don't have brand equity, like nobody knows you. You gotta build Mm -hmm. a brand but you don't do it the same way that say ibm would um like you the approach is very different and it turns out there are ways to leverage that really effectively because you can basically be the challenger to the big brands and Mm -hmm. that's something that's very appealing especially to early adopters who are exactly the people that you need in your business so this book basically talks about uh, a number of examples of companies that have done that successfully so that's one that i would recommend.
0: I love it and I've heard of it and I've done like cliff notes on it, but I've never read the whole book. And now you Mm -hmm. just convince Fanny to go read it. And there's another book that I just read called The Hype Handbook by Michael Sheen, Mm -hmm. talking about how cult leaders and propagandists used hype to create that equity. And how you can, if you if used for good, right? You need to like get away from like the propagandists and cult leaders, take hype and create it for I was, good. I was just
1: thinking, Rob, was like, well.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the whole idea is like, how do you take it for good and make it good to help build a brand in a marketplace? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I coach on is startup marketing is so different. And a lot of times people spout, well, oh, you know, Uber did it and let's not even use IBM. Let's start using like whatever, we still all talk about Uber and Airbnb and all these Those are one in a million companies, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Unicorns and and the way they do this. And so you can't take that same approach. You got to create that startup playbook that is built on grit and sweat and put things together to make things happen. So having resources like building your own hype, right? Talking about yourself, using yourself as the first mouthpiece and then building it from there. I love it. So I'll have to check that one out. Um, Sounds like a great one. So as we close out, right, what is your lasting message that you want listeners to take away from this episode?
1: Um, I would say that as humans, we're all biased in our own ways, even when we're not, maybe especially, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, even when we don't think we are, right? Even when we think we're not. And I would say Mm -hmm. even, especially when we think we're not. Um, and those are the moments when you can grow, right? If you, at some point realize, oh, yeah, I was wrong about this because I had an irrational view on the world. Like th- those are like moments of discovery. And that's also yeah. a big theme of what we work on in Swig, like bias in hiring. Uh, but human bias is a very normal thing. It exists everywhere. But the more you can be aware of it, uh, the more you can also start um, like making better decisions and growing as a person.
0: I-, I love that. I mean, the first step is acknowledgement. Right? Mm-hmm. if we acknowledge that we have our own internal biases, whether we want to believe it or not when we start acknowledging those things and we get curious we learn and when we learn mm-hmm. we can make te- take take steps to growth mm-hmm. right I love it I love that 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 lasting message and it's a great way to close out when we think about what Swig's mission is and how we're trying to change how you are trying to change the way hiring's done and I, I'm excited to see the, the growth of Swig and excited to see um, what that looks like and so you know as we as we close out here, where can we find you? How can, how can people connect with you? You know, you offer just a chat. Where do they, where do they reach out to find Vincent?
1: There's like, I'm really easy to find. Uh, so I'm on LinkedIn and there's only one person with my name. Uh, my last name Loney, L O N I J. You type that in Vincent Loney, That's me. There's only one of me. Uh, so LinkedIn is easy to find. Also Vincent at swig.com is my email address. Um, I check my email every day. So that's a good way to reach me. Um, So yeah, so either LinkedIn or email is good places. Also, if you're just generally interested in keeping up with what's going on with Swig, also LinkedIn is a good place. Uh, I post updates there on a regular basis. So even if you don't feel the... Need or the courage to reach out personally, just come and like connect with me on LinkedIn or follow me there, and then you can stay up to date to everything that's going on in Swig.
0: Love that. And I'll make sure to link Vincent's LinkedIn in the show notes. I'll also put the Swig company page in the show notes, and I'll also link your email uh, in the show notes so they can easily click and find you and connect Mm -hmm. with you. And you know, Vincent, I appreciate you for being a part of the Bare Necessities of Entrepreneurship podcast and talking about swig and how swig is changing the game of hiring and really looking at this and so uh, i just want to remind everybody in Baronation out there connect with vincent follow along take a look try out the product um give them some feedback and you know vincent thank you so much for being a part of it we appreciate you and uh, i'll be sending you some stuff in the mail as a little thank you gift for being a part of the program
1: Awesome, and it's been a real pleasure being here, Rob. It's great talking to you, as always, and uh, I think it's amazing that you're doing this podcast uh, for the startup community and for all entrepreneurs out there. So keep it going. Um, let me know what I can do to support, and it's been an absolute pleasure Pleasure being here.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Vincent and Bear Nation. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bear Nation, once again, thank you for listening to the Bear Necessities of Entrepreneurship. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. And until next time, take care.